Speaking of peeling the onion layer back, hopefully there won't be any tears shed at the bad news that we're going to be talking about. But, you know, really wanted to hit on a couple different issues. Welcome to Over a Barrel. I'm your host, Patrick DeHaan, Head of Petroleum Analysis at Gas Buddy, joined again by my co-host, Matt McLean. Matt. Hey, how's it going, Patrick? Here for our second episode. It's amazing how quickly time goes, but um, here we are, still standing. You know, we talked a lot about all the different aspects of uh, gas uh, in our in our first podcast. I know that we've got a lot to talk about in this one as well. And, you know, we want to make sure that you follow and subscribe wherever you find all of your favorite podcasts as well. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways. I know that we're on Google. Uh, we are on like I probably shouldn't have even started naming them because I think we're pretty much everywhere, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google. Uh, and if there's one that you prefer uh, and we're not there yet, uh, shoot us a message. Absolutely. We'll be happy to get it on there as well. So what are we going to discuss in today's episode? Well, on today's episode, we're going to cover a lot of the seasonality to gas prices, Matt. I know, you know, temperatures are warming up. People are starting to get a little bit of that cabin fever, right? So the, uh, the snow's not done for those in the North Country, but we're starting to see temperatures warm up. And, you know, the Daytona 500 was just uh, was just this past weekend. Um, and so there's a lot um, that we can cover in terms of the seasonality on gas prices. It seems like one of those issues that is just every year uh, people have an intense curiosity on why why does spring cause prices to go up so much? And a lot of conspiracies and thoughts and different aspects and opinions. I mean, I've heard literally just about every kind of thought process out there as to why the prices go up in the spring and fall back down in the fall. And I mean, just a little bit of everything. So what can you kind of tell us? Can you kind of peel back the layer of the onion and kind of give us what's, what's kind of going on with all of that? Well, you know, speaking of peeling the onion layer back, hopefully there won't be any tears shed at the bad news that we're going to be talking about. But, you know, really wanted to hit on a couple different issues. Um, you know, everyone knows gasoline prices. I often talk about supply and demand. So, you know, there's really two aspects whenever, you know, whether it's spring, summer, fall, winter, supply and demand are really what dictate price changes. And so the seasonality in spring is no different. Um, that's a big part of it. Uh, but let's let's dissect that supply and demand. What changes between summer and winter that drives prices up? There's a lot of issues from supply changes to the type of gasoline that you use uh, to how much demand there is. You know, spring break is around the corner, the summer driving season. Um, so those issues encompass very few words, but a lot of words to explain everything. And I know with regard to a lot of aspects, Patrick, uh, depending upon where you live can also depend upon even the type of gasoline that you're able to put into your vehicle <laughs> as well. Is that kind of a kind of an accurate way of looking at it? Well, it really is, Matt. And, you know, last episode, we talked about how you've moved all around. And, you know, that's one thing you probably you fill up no matter if it's in, say, Kentucky or Florida, right? You fill your tank and your car runs. Did you ever realize that 
it's a different type of fuel. Well, given our past together, yes, I did. But most people <laughs> probably don't know that. Uh, and I understand that very well. But, you know, I, I guess in metropolitan areas, major cities, the gasoline is a little bit different. Uh, I know that if, let's say, I have filled up in more of a rural area and I maybe I'm traveling and I fill up in a major metropolitan area certain times of the year, um, the car doesn't always like to immediately start uh, that next time around. It may, may take an extra second or two for the, the, the engine to turn over and begin running or something along those lines. What kind of causes that? Well, Matt, it's it's something that we call reed vapor pressure. Um, essentially, it's it's kind of uh, ingredients in, in gasoline. Um, and there can be a lot of changes. Um, seasonal changes to the ethanol, amount of ethanol in gasoline, right? Uh, during the summer months, there are different products available. A lot of people have been hearing more about this on leaded 88 or what we call E15. And some of these components work a lot better in the warmer climates. They're, uh, they're more volatile, but they get along better with warmer climates than colder. So there's a lot of subtle changes that happen between these winter winter blends of gasoline. And by the way, we just call it winter and summer for ease. It's really, um, you could call it EPA mandated blends occur in the summer months between uh, June 1st and, and September 15th. Um, and we simply call the dates outside of that, right? September 16th through the end of May, we call that winter gasoline. But there's a lot of changes behind the scenes. I was looking at a uh, Excel spreadsheet I have of a lot of the changeover dates. And there's probably 50 to 100 different dates on how formulations of gasoline change in various cities and various states and various pipelines and various refineries. So, you know, we just go to a pump and just grab regular or premium or whatever you fill up with. But there's a lot of complex changes that happen to get those seasonal blends out to the pump. And this is the time of year that refineries start making those changes. There could be um, there could be pipeline requirements um, well ahead of EPA mandated deadlines that are starting already because pipelines don't want to be stuck with winter gasoline after they can uh, after they have to start selling summer, right? Because essentially, then you have dead gasoline in your system that you can't that you can't get rid of. So. Um, a lot of these requirements, a lot of these deadlines, refineries and pipelines and storage terminals are out well in advance to make sure that they purge their systems of winter gasoline. And once we get into March, uh, which is right around the corner, a lot of these areas start making this, you know, two to three month transition. And a lot of the time it's done before you know it. Um, but this is the time usually as the transition is happening that we st start to see some fireworks. And there's some there's some great acronyms, Matt, that are really confusing for a lot of people. Like I said, RVP, which is one of the measures for the summer gasoline, winter gasoline, and that's an acronym for read vapor pressure. Uh, there's another one people may have heard of, RFG, which is reformulated gasoline. And some of the major cities like Chicago, St. Louis, much of the Northeastern seaboard, have to use reformulated gasoline, which is kind of like saying it's the the stringiest, uh, I'm just making up words here, but the <laughs> strictest type of summer gasoline. And so a lot of the major areas, the more population you have, the more pollution, right? The more cars you have burning gasoline. So you have to use the, the most um, stringent type of gasoline in those big areas. And of course, with it, the cleaner gasoline is, the more costly it is. And so, you know, as we make this transition, there's logistical challenges. 
Um, but all of that feeds into what you're paying at the pump. And so, you know, we're kind of right now today in the calm before the storm. Prices have been easing a bit, um, but we're just about to make that transition start. And so with it, higher prices are coming. Now, when you talk about the reformulated gasoline, we're only talking about major cities. So like rural areas or smaller cities, um, those are not required to go to RFG gasoline, are they? You're correct. They are not required. So most of America moves to a different type of gasoline in the summer. Um, and that's where that RVP acronym comes into play. The RVP of summer gasoline in virtually all of America, or I, I would say the biggest uh, land areas, uh, moves to 9.0 pounds or PSI of RVP. That's kind of the default summer gasoline and the the uh, most stringent areas move down to reformulated gasoline and that equates in some areas to a 5.99 rvp and in other areas it might be 7 or 7.8 rvp the higher the number um the the more volatile of gasoline it is the more emissions generally um at at standard temperature and so the higher rvp is associated with winter gasoline whereas the lower rvp numbers are cleaner summer gasoline and and so much of the country uses 9.0 pound rvp but some of the areas like detroit it doesn't use reformulated gasoline but it also does not use the nine pound rvp it goes to 7.8 which is obviously kind of a, a middle of the ground approach and some areas like that matt that are really large metro areas they might not move to a stringent gasoline like RFG, but they might also not go to the default summer gasoline that's 9.0. So I just threw a lot at you there. But essentially, there are a dozen different types of summer gasoline. And with it, a lot of fragmentation that can introduce price spikes. When you think about a refinery having to produce a lot of these different blends of fuel, suddenly if you have a refinery go, go down unexpectedly or longer than expected maintenance, suddenly, you know, everything's run amok. So let me ask you this. Is it a is it a federal thing? Is it something like they say, hey, St. Louis, hey, Chicago, hey, Atlanta, northeastern border, you know, the coastal areas, you have to go to this or is this like a local control? How does how does how does that work to, to, to get to that to really to all of these different numbers, the RFG, the RVP, like what what is involved in that? Well, Matt, you know, you might be out for a summer drive and in St. Louis, you might notice a little haze in the sky, right? Um, in the midst of the summer driving season. So all it really has to do with the airborne pollutants, bigger areas are going to have more airborne pollutants, more cars, more people, more industry. So it's, it's, uh, it's basically a distinction by the EPA, depending on the level um, of, of airborne pollutants, right? Uh, ozone action days and asthma, right? We, we have a lot of air quality numbers and it really has to do with air quality. The worse air quality, the lower the RVP you need to clean the air up with all that gasoline that's being burned off by these vehicles. Gotcha. Okay. So that's answering a lot of questions for me as, as, and I'm sure the most of the folks that are listening right now, it's like, oh, so that's why that does make a lot more sense <laughs> in that area. So yeah, take, for example, I mean, you've mentioned, I've lived in a lot of areas, multiple States, Illinois, Tennessee, uh, Kentucky, Missouri. That's originally where I'm from near St. Louis, actually Florida. Um, and, and yeah, it is, 
it is very different. Um, I have noticed that. And, and sometimes, and I'm just, I guess the weirdo, sometimes the, even to me, the gas smells differently as you're pumping it into the, into the tank. Sometimes there's a little bit of a different smell and, and it's probably all in my head, but you know, I'm just throwing it out there. You know, Matt, it's really interesting. You mentioned areas like Illinois and St. Louis and, you know, years ago, uh, and even now there are distinctions between uh, St. Louis and Chicagoland, for example, both use reformulated gasoline. And there are distinctions between even those blends of reformulated gasoline. They may be slightly different depending on the area. And, you know, if anyone's interested, by the way, anyone can log on to the EPA website. And if you if you uh, simply search for reformulated gasoline, you can find the areas near you of what type of fuel is, is required. So it's, it's really fascinating. And again, the more stringent blend of gasoline, the bigger the price increase. So Chicagoland, for example, has one of the more stringent and so prices in Chicago and and basically the the surrounding areas all the way up to Milwaukee in Wisconsin down to Chicago all of Chicago's metro area and then even into two counties I think it's Lake and Porter counties in Northwest Indiana have to use it as well so you'll notice where these areas exist if you get outside of those areas that require RFG you're probably going to notice a little bit of a of a lower price like in the summer months Matt when I go back to Michigan uh, to visit friends and family um, as soon as you get outside of the land boundary that requires RFG the price is 15 or 25 cents a gallon lower so that makes it a lot more sense. So those of you listening, let's say in Wyoming or Montana or someplace, Utah, someplace out West, um, it may be a completely different situation. Exactly right. Uh, and, and there you're going to just be using the de facto 9.0 pound RVP gasoline. Uh, very few areas of the Rockies because it's, you know, it's pretty rural. Uh, they don't have the requirements that you do in a big population center. So, you know, Matt, last uh, last episode, we talked a lot about this regionality, right, between gasoline taxes, between infrastructure. And now we have another layer um, between states and even between counties is that some counties require more stringent blends of gasoline. You go one county over, the requirement may be completely different. Yeah, that does actually make a whole lot more sense now. And, and of course, then that impacts the prices and different aspects along those lines. Uh, that That's starting to answer a lot of questions that I know that I've had for a really um, long time. And then you were talking about even the refinery maintenance season. Um, and you kind of hinted a little bit about that a few minutes ago. But can we maybe possibly talk a little bit more about that for just a minute and kind of what that means with regard to how stuff, you know, navigates through the quote unquote pipeline, you know, at to the local gas station, um, there can be some some issues uh, as far as supply and demand. Um, I would think they really, it's gotta be a very well choreographed machine on how they handle, um, you know, that kind of a situation. Well, it very much is, Matt. As we approach the spring and summer, you know, I, I, let's draw a parallel here. What happens in NASCAR, you know, every every so many laps, you know, 40 or 50 laps is you come in for a pit stop. Uh, you do maintenance on the vehicle. You throw new tires on. Of course, you fill the tank. But, Matt, if it's not Daytona or if it's not NASCAR, what's the one thing that you would do before a really long road trip in which, you know, say you're going to drive five or seven days straight? Oh, be you're going to want to make sure... Your yep. vehicle's maintained, right? Yes, you took the words right out of my mouth. Get an oil change, do all the different <laughs> things, make sure all of the fluids are where they're supposed to be, you know, all of that. Absolutely. 
all those alarm bells that are flashing at you, you'll probably take <laughs> care of. And, you know, that's what happens at refineries, too, because, you know, you think of summer demand for gasoline is very high as somebody that produces gasoline, diesel and jet fuel. When demand is high, you want to make sure that your refinery is you know, position to sell gasoline into the market. It's kind of like, you know, home builders. Uh, do you want to have a lot of homes on the market and be prepared for when, you know, there, there's a flurry of, of home sales? Absolutely. Who wouldn't love to have all of these homes at the top of the market to sell into the market? So refineries prepare for that. Um, but in preparation, it's like getting an oil change in your car. You can't exactly drive your car around. Well, at least the technology may not be there yet, right? For getting your car, driving it around while it's being serviced. That, that would be an impressive feat. But, you know, to put it simply, that's what happens is refineries. Refineries need to do work. Um, you know, the winter is long, cold and, and harsh on refineries. And keep in mind, too, you know, we have a roof over our head. Um, you know, you live in a house, it's heated. But these refineries are exposed to the elements. And over time, because of some of the uh, because of some of the compounds introduced here, you're talking sulfur content. And by the way, that that really is a whole nother discussion on crude oil quality. There's sulfur content. There's different metals, traces of metals in these in these crude oils and that's why they have to be refined but all of that um, you know, you, you need to make sure that the pipe thickness at the refinery is, is up to snuff. You have uh, incredible amounts of electrical equipment. You may want to do upgrades, Matt, right? If, if your car uh, needs some upgrades or who knows, maybe you need shocks and struts when you take your New car fingers. in. Yeah, all of that. Yeah, exactly. So th this is the downtime um, that refineries do this. And, and a lot of the reason why they do it in February and March is because there are not a lot of Americans on the road that like to roll their windows down in the coldest months and travel Route 66. So, you know, this is when they generally do maintenance is when everyone is kind of in the grind. Nobody's really traveling very far distances. And that way, Matt, by the time spring and summer rolls around, their facilities are freshly maintained, right? It's just like peeling out after an oil change. All of a sudden, it feels like your car is 20 more horsepower, right? Absolutely. Always. No, that's very true. And I know that one of the things that I always try to make sure that I pay attention to is, you know, for example, when I go in for an oil change, and sometimes I have that debate with the <laughs> with the with the folks doing the oil changes, like every 3000, like, but the manual says every 7000. So that's <laughs> what I do. That's a whole other conversation and a whole other podcast, probably. But nevertheless, you know, I make sure that everything is good to go. And you're absolutely right. It the vehicle just seems to handle a lot better. And I can hear little tiny, you know, probably to most people unnoticeable, but I hear little things, you know, I'm like, oh, the engine does sound happier. You know, <laughs> everything seems to be in a happy place. Now let's go for a thousand mile journey, you know, let's go do it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. And the thing is, Matt, you don't want your car to break down in the middle of that road trip, which is why you do it. And you're, you're stuck. If you're taking a cross country road trip and your car breaks down, you're stuck. Just like refineries who often have shareholders, right? These oil companies are publicly traded. They don't want their facility to go down at the height of consumption season because you can have a factory, but if you're not producing anything with it, you're not making money. You're not even, you know, the shareholders aren't going to be real happy. It's like, it's like Apple, right? If you have an iPhone factory and you're not producing iPhones, you're not selling iPhones, you're not making money. So, you know, a lot of Americans get really frustrated and, and certainly I do too, when a refinery goes down, you know, or maintenance is longer than expected. But how many times have you brought your car into the dealer, you know, for an oil change and they're saying, oh, hey, Matt, your brakes are a little thin. You know, how often does that happen? 
Depends on whether or not they actually are. <laughs> no, no, actually, you're right. You're right. I, and and I've actually, it's funny you should mention that. Uh, I Just last week, I had new brakes and rotors put on my SUV because I knew that I was going to be doing a lot of driving this spring because that's part of what I do uh, and, and all of those different aspects. And so I actually had some, uh, uh, you know, maintenance done on my SUV. It's just that time of the year, the perfect time of the year to do it. And so I went ahead and thought if I do it now while I'm doing the oil change and the other aspects, then when I really need to be on the road and, and doing something, I won't have to worry about it then. And I know one of the things that I have heard a lot of people say, and I'm going to let you um, and ask that you address this a little bit, is sometimes when a refinery goes down and the price suddenly jolts up in like, you know, Memorial Day weekend or July or August or whatever, everybody always says, oh, they're doing that on purpose. They're doing that on purpose to drive the price. <laughs> we know they're doing that on purpose. I have heard that from just, you know, general people all the time. And I know you've got a, a really good, accurate answer for that. So what is the answer for it? Well, Matt, it, again, it's all supply and demand. Uh, you know, the housing market is something that most Americans can relate to. Why? Because a lot of us own homes or we rent homes. So we know what the price of, of you know, living is. And say, for example, um, last year, I'm going to use the example of last year, right? Before interest rates started going up and Americans started throttling back, you know, you would be competing with four other buyers. The house would go for well over market value. Why, Matt? Because there wasn't enough supply and because demand outweighed that supply. So it's really frustrating, right? To put an offer in on a house, all of a sudden there's 10 other offers and people are throwing money uh, at the homeowner. The same can be true for gasoline. That is, um, you know, all of a sudden when a refinery goes down, Matt, it, it, it would be like the, the similar effect in the home market. Imagine if 30% of homes available on the market went off the market tomorrow. Suddenly people that are looking for homes have a lot fewer options. They're going to be a lot more desperate to find a home because they need one. And so they're going to start making higher offers. The same holds true to gasoline markets and oil markets and other commodities. Matt, remember lumber prices last year when everyone decided to start building decks onto their homes and um, the price of lumber shot through the roof. So, you know, a lot of Americans, it's really frustrating, Matt, to see gas prices go up a dollar a gallon overnight. But in that frustration, the answer isn't because they can. It's because that's how economics work. When there is a sudden jolt to the amount of gasoline being produced, that causes a massive and sudden jolt to the wholesale price. Just like if you took a bunch of homes off the market tomorrow, what homes are left on the market are suddenly going to be worth a lot more. So that's economics 101. Same with eggs, same with everything like we have seen. I mean, food, all of that, I guess. When there was a little bit of a shortage situation, I hate to use that word, but how about less uh, less availability of the commodity, if you will, then yeah, I guess the price is going to automatically spring up. You know, Matt, I think of that office episode where Dwight buys a bunch of those unicorn Barbie <laughs> princess dolls at Christmas and suddenly he has all the supply and he starts price gouging people that, you know, now he can choose to do that. But oil companies are so heavily regulated that it's the free market. And you know what? If there's a politician or attorney general watching the situation, they are going to be looking for any possible way politically to charge them. And, you know, a, a, 
every investigation that I've seen, or at least the bulk of them, right? There may be some bad actors, but oil companies, you know, they're, they're in it for producing oil. They're not in it to sit on the sidelines and, you know, they, they can uh, be winners. They are winners right now, right? Oil companies and refineries are extremely profitable. But again, that's because in the recent years, there's been a lot of uh, jolt to the supply side of things. Refineries shut down because of COVID. So, you know, we joke about if, if 30% of houses went off the market overnight. Um, that's happened to refineries, not to the 30% tune, but enough that there's simply not enough capacity now to meet demand. And that's been the problem last year is that, you know, we were very close uh, with refining capacity of not having enough of it last year. And so the market gets really anxious and it freaks out and prices jump and scream higher. But now, of course, we've seen a lot of improvement. And so um, going forward, refineries, 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 something we're going to be talking about extensively. If one goes down unexpectedly, look, Matt, look what's happened in, in Colorado, by the way. Yeah. Um, the Suncor refinery went down because of the cold weather again. Um, refineries are exposed to the elements and when there are extremes, whether that's heat, um, or cold, they don't respond well to those extremes and extreme weather. And you're going to see a a price increase example in the Gulf Coast. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That absolutely makes sense. So like, you know, take, for example, sometimes whenever I know that you and I have talked in years past, um, hurricanes were to hit certain areas that can have, you know, it, it, weather uh literally just a weather anomaly and that can create kind of a problem with uh prices and it doesn't just impact the immediate area like a hurricane were to impact it uh i know you have explained in years past it it can have a profound impact across an entire region of the country yeah exactly right it depends on the jolt right if we're talking about a lot of refineries with a lot of capacity it's going to be a big problem if we're just talking about one refinery in the gulf coast where there are many refineries it's not a problem. So every situation is a little different. You know, Matt, if, if, if the Suncor refinery went down in Louisiana, say you drag that refinery over to Louisiana, it would not be a big deal. Why? Because there are so many refineries in Louisiana and Texas that they could easily offset the loss in production. But this refinery is not in Louisiana. It's the only refinery in Colorado. It's responsible for a good portion of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel in Colorado. So that's what makes these differences so significant is that in the Gulf Coast, there are a lot more refineries than there are in Colorado. And that's and that's why every situation is a little bit different. I, th- I think back to 2015, the largest refinery in the Midwest, BP, I could see it from my old office window, which is in Whiting, Indiana, Northwest Indiana. It's the largest refinery in the Midwest, 420,000 barrels a day of capacity. And when it went down in the middle of August in 2015, just unexpectedly, the price of gasoline shot up a dollar a gallon because there's no quick way that you can basically offset the largest refinery in a region. So, you know, if the largest refinery went down in Texas, it probably would be pretty problematic too. So, it's all at every situation is a little bit different, but highlighting Matt, the differences here, the spring brings on a lot of uncertainty, refinery maintenance season happens. And then just after maintenance season happens, and sometimes before it, if you're in Colorado, excuse me, if you're in California or Arizona, the transition to uh, cleaner summer gasoline is already underway. Those two areas move first and then basically North to South, uh, a lot of other areas move. Uh, but there are some EPA deadlines of May 1st for refineries. And I had mentioned June 1st, that's the deadline for when retailers carry this fuel. So, 
spring can, can be a very bumpy ride. So June 1st is when, hey, if you've got uh, the old version of gas in your tank uh, at the at the gas station itself, you can no longer sell that. Is that that's right? Understanding yep. it? You are you are stuck with it. So that's the deadline. And that's why stations and pipelines and refiners are well ahead of these deadlines, uh, because by May 1st, refineries only can produce uh, the stringent type of summer gasoline, the most stringent type. And then retailers get a month to purge that summer gasoline from their underground storage tanks. Usually it would only take, you know, five to seven, maybe 10 days, uh, maybe a little longer if you're rural, you know, in the middle of, of Colorado, it may take you a little bit longer to flip that tank. So retailers have four weeks to uh, between refiners and retailers to empty their winter gasoline. And then by June 1st, they only can sell that most stringent blend. If they have gasoline that's left over, well, tough luck. They can't sell it. It just goes, it's done. You're done with it, right? Yeah, you probably have to pump out your tank. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a lot of fun. (laughs) It does not sound like a lot of fun at all. All right, so now I have just a, I've got a very quick question for you since we're almost at the end of the podcast here. Have you ever done a, uh, a drive on Route 66 that you mentioned earlier? You know, Matt, I, I've I've done uh, trips down to Amarillo, and I think Route 66 goes through Amarillo, but I yes. haven't. You know, it's kind of in pieces now. Route 66, right? Um, yeah. You have to jump on some of the interstates, and then you can jump off. But Route 66 starts in Chicago, and that's where I live. And that's you know how many people Route 66 is is an icon, and so I've mm-hmm. always wanted to do it. Well, maybe we should do that later this year and we'll, we'll catalog it. We'll do podcasts along the way. I'll bring the video cameras. I mean, we'll, just, we'll have all kinds of fun because I mean, Man, yeah, wouldn't that be fun growing up near St. Louis? You're exactly right. Route 66 goes right through Missouri, right through St. Louis, right uh, along basically Interstate 44 through in toward Texas. Yeah, that could that could be a lot of fun. I think we should do that. That's that's something we can maybe throw on the on the calendar. You know, that would be fun. And, you know, with summer, hopefully, you know, just a little while away, it's going to be a lot of fun to start planning trips. And Matt, you know, um, gas prices aren't going to be too bad this summer. I, I think we'll, we'll, you know, we're in spring. Like I said, I think prices will spike up, but um, I'm, I'm very much hopeful. Um, I would, I would definitely take a bet that prices this summer will not climb as high as what they did last year. So let's plan those road trips. Yeah. Let's hope not five, six, $7 a gallon. That kind of makes me kind of like, Ugh. <laughs> I'm not, happy I think that makes that. everyone kind of, uh, right. Yeah, Nobody likes that. Yeah, I'm not wild about that. Well, listen, uh, if you are where I think we are at right now we're basically at the end of the show yeah i think we're uh, we're set to wrap it up so so there uh there's some social media stuff that we could talk about as well of course you can find us on social media of course patrick is where i'm over a gas buddy guy on twitter matt and and you know on twitter i'm actually on over a barrel over a barrel matt isn't that over a barrel mat well hopefully you won't be over a barrel this summer (laughs) let's hope not and of course you can send questions comments episodes of course to podcast at gasbuddy.com that is podcast at gasbuddy.com so there you go that is our our podcast for the time and really appreciate it and patrick um you know you're in tampa right now of course i'm in the midwest and i'm sure it's nice and warm there and i'm sure you're just making me jealous every time you're talking to me and telling me how warm it is there you know, it's terrific. I'm ready for summer, Matt, and hopefully you are too. But uh, appreciate everyone tuning in again. Follow us on your favorite podcast platforms. Over a Barrel, we'll be back for a third episode soon. 